This episode is made possible by Armoire. I love genius companies founded by women, and Armoire is one of them. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days, and then when you're ready for new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. To me, Armoire Armoire solves so many issues I struggle with today, the biggest one being accumulation of stuff. Let's face it, women want to feel on trend and fresh in their clothes, so we like to shop for new clothes often. But I also get overwhelmed when I have too much to choose from, which happens after years of shopping. I forget what clothes I have and I end up wearing the same thing over and over. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion and then send it back. Whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to brave a department store fitting room with those unflattering fluorescent lights again. Trust me, your overly cramped closet and the environment will thank you. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash heel. That's A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash heel to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to The Heal Podcast. I'm Kelly Noonan-Gores, and every week I speak to the leading doctors, healers, spiritual teachers, and scientists to find out what is truly possible when it comes to healing. I also interview real people with extraordinary healing stories. My philosophy is what's possible for one is possible for all. On today's episode of The Heal Podcast, I interview Jason Earl, the founder of Got Mold. He was also the youngest uh, licensed Wall Street stockbroker, so that's kind of a fun fact. But more so, he is an expert on mold, and it is such an important conversation because mold and the health of our buildings really is a huge problem um, in the health of our bodies. And you will find out so much life-changing information. I myself was diagnosed with mold and Lyme, which is a common co-infection. Um, Jason himself had a, a childhood riddled with health issues and asthma and severe allergies. And he realized along the way that it was because of his moldy environment. Um, and so he, it took him off of Wall Street and put him into um, a life of cleaning up people's home environments and learning so much about the health of our environments, our buildings, um, mold, and what it does to our bodies. And it's just, it's a fascinating conversation, but more so it is so important for you to know this information because it is truly life-saving. And it's, it's something we take for granted. These homes that we live in, these buildings that we work in, um, our health is really reflective of the health of our building. So we're going to get into that today. Welcome, Jason. Thank you so much for being on the Heal Podcast. Thanks for having me, Kelly. It's great to be here. So why don't you start off by telling us a little about your background um, and how, you know, your personal health journey with mold and what you've done and then how you came to do the work that you're doing. Sure thing. Uh, first of all, thanks again for for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Um, I've been following you for quite some time. I'm very impressed with your work. So it's a real privilege to be here. Well, thank you. 
Um, so my my story um, begins um, as as uh, most people's do as a as a young child, uh, but but at around three or four years old, um, my parents noticed that I was having trouble breathing, and uh, and I was uh, I'd lost a lot of weight in a three week period. So uh, my parents took me to the pediatrician who said, uh, you need to take him to the children's hospital. This is serious. And um, so we were only about an hour away from there. And uh, upon upon uh, the initial interview, based upon family history and the symptoms that I was presenting with, uh, the initial diagnosis was cystic fibrosis, which was, of course, devastating to my folks, um, but especially my dad, because he had lost four of his cousins to CF before the age of 14. So this was literally their worst nightmare coming true. Um, it was something that they had, they'd even talked about. And so here I am their only child, um, and facing a death sentence. Okay. So, uh, and, and having two little ones of my own, one of which is four, I know you have a four-year-old too. Uh, you know, that just hits me squarely just even thinking about that now. Okay. Um, but the, uh, they, they spent six weeks crying, uh, apparently while they waited for a second, uh, opinion. And the second opinion, thankfully, uh, was that I did not have cystic fibrosis and evidenced by the fact that I'm sitting here at 47 yeah. years old. Um, but rather I had asthma compounded by pneumonia and I was allergic to literally every single thing that they tested me for. So, uh, this is one of my formative memories. actually, they put, put you in a papoose or like a straight jacket for toddlers, uh, drew a grid on my back and then tested me with all the antigens. And my dad said, I look like a ladybug, big red swollen back with dots all over it. Um, and so the list was long, but the, the, you know, grass, wheat, corn, eggs, dogs, cats, cotton, uh, soybeans. So my clothes were itchy. Uh, and I grew up on this little non-working farm, uh, basically an animal adoption facility and, uh, and was surrounded by all those things in, in, in great abundance. And we had literally had soybean fields, um, on, on, on the right and corn fields on the left and, you know, dogs and cats and, you know, horses and goats and all that stuff. And so uh, I essentially lived on inhalers uh, until I was about 12, at which point my my folks split up, which was actually good for everybody involved. And uh, all my symptoms went away. And uh, and I, I I didn't really think about it until fast forward um, until uh, until after uh, a career on Wall Street. But uh, but a, a few other things occurred sort of in, in the interim there. When I was 12, uh, we, my folks split up when I was 13. Um, almost 14, my, my, my mother uh, passed away suddenly. She actually committed suicide. Uh, and that's relevant for the, for, for this story because, um, depression actually falls into this, into this whole, uh, this whole storyline. Um, and it's one of the most, um, misunderstood aspects of all of this. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, and then, uh, and then I was diagnosed a year later with Lyme disease. And so I got my, my second big dose of antibiotics. The first one was for the pneumonia, um, and so, you know, I, I look at antibiotics as weapons of mass destruction. And, uh, and so I, it took me 20 years to get my gut back after, after the Lyme disease, um, fiasco. Uh, and then, uh, I was essentially forced to drop out of high school and then I ended up getting recruited out of a gas station to go work on wall street. And that's a fairy tale story for another podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did that for nine years and had a great career. And then one day I wasn't having fun. You anymore. broke a Guinness book of world record for the youngest licensed stock broker. Did you not? Uh, yes, and did, and unknowingly uh, at the time, I, I didn't, I didn't realize I had done that until I decided to to go on walkabout. I knew I was the youngest guy in the firm, uh, and I knew I was one of the youngest guys on the street, but I didn't know I was the youngest uh, cool. at the time. So Very yeah, cool. that and a dollar fifty will buy, will buy you half a slice of pizza in New York City, but um, but but it's certainly good. Uh, it's good cocktail conversation. Um, but, but the uh, but the the big epiphany happened actually after I decided to 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 walk away from Wall Street. Um, 
you know, my mom had always encouraged me to, um, to, to focus on contribution to the greater good. She was a nurse and she gave to a fault. Um, and, but, but she did encourage me to, to volunteer. In fact, I would go to volunteer at the hospital where she was the director of nursing. Um, and the, uh, the thing that I always, it, it was, it was very fulfilling, even as a kid, I, I remember helping these people that were amputees and, um, and, you know, I was delivering food to the different floors. And so I found a lot of satisfaction in that. And, and, and on wall street, that just wasn't, it wasn't congruent. There was, there was the only people that benefited from my, my success were the people who owned the stores where I shopped. Right. Um, and so, so that, that always was somewhat unsettling to me. Mm-hmm. So I would volunteer at, you know, go to Operation Smile missions, international missions and things like that. And I would come back so fulfilled, exhausted, but fulfilled. Um, and then, you know, I, I would, uh, you know, just go do, do what you do. You go to work and, and you go for the almighty dollar. But one day I woke up and I wasn't going to do that anymore. And I, and I went backpacking. Um, this was right after September 11th. And, uh, so I took a train from New York to LA, but through Canada and, and then I flew to Hawaii. And while I was there, I was reading a lot of the local newspapers cause I had a lot of time on my hands and, uh, a story jumped out. There was actually lots of articles in the, in the local papers about this huge mold problem that had been discovered in the Hilton Clea tower, which is the big f- Hilton flagship property in Oahu. It had been shut down for mold for something like six months. They initially thought it was about a half million dollar problem. Then it became a $5 million problem. And then it became a $55 million mold remediation project, biggest in in, in history uh, at the time. And uh, and so, of course, it was big news on the little island. And so there's, but there, all the stories that I had read, uh, the one jumped out at me and it was about this gentleman who at about 40 years old uh, blamed uh, a, a litany of illnesses on the building. He had developed adult onset asthma, something I had never even heard of, uh, as well as all these allergies and sensitivities, the things that he'd previously enjoyed without without issue. And so I had this deja vu kind of a moment, right? Where suddenly I was brought back to my three or four year old self. And, and I thought, geez, I wonder if that was going on in our house. I wonder if we had a mold problem, not knowing anything about mold at all, not knowing I mean, I didn't know anything. Didn't <laughs> I knew less than nothing? But I called my father from a payphone, which probably isn't there anymore, uh, and said, "Hey, Dad, do you think we had a mold problem?" And he just laughed at me. He said, "Of course we had mold. We had mushrooms growing in the basement. Why do you ask?" Uh, and uh, it was just so flippant, typical sort of '70s parent, right? It's just you know, mold, mold, wipe it off. And uh, I said, "Well, do you think that's what made me so sick?" And he said, "Well, it couldn't have helped." Uh, and to 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 don't know my father, that's a sense of humor. But he was he was right. I mean, it's you know they just didn't have there was no knowledge or awareness around the subject matter at the time, uh, and there certainly were no resources. Even if they had known that there was a mold problem and that there was something that, that was causing me uh, illness, there was no such thing as a mold remediation company or a mold inspection company or even mold testing. It simply wasn't did not exist. So in, in in you know kind of laughing and chuckling at what he said, I I had one of those epiphanies and I just immediately became fascinated with uh mold but but more than mold became fascinated with the concept that building the buildings we live and work in can impact your health mm-hmm. uh, that to me that 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 still fascinates me uh and it's still a blind spot in so many people's minds especially in the medical community um and where where we we live in these boxes that we uh uh store our stuff in that we live and work in and and uh, we think of them as just these shells that protect us from the weather, and uh, and more and more as time has gone on, I've I've started to look at these building at the buildings that we live and work in as extensions of our immune system, as an exoskin or an exoskeleton. Uh, we're a lot like hermit crabs. We wouldn't do too well without our shell for very long, you know. Um, 
And so I, I but I became fascinated in that in that moment. And I took I I, I uh, came, came back to New Jersey armed with a whole bunch of curiosity and took a job working for a, a company that was doing mold remediation, so to speak. Uh, they were actually doing basement waterproofing and they were causing more probably harm than good uh, because they were just using chemicals instead of cleaning, just, you know, ripping stuff out and, and leaving houses often worse than than they uh, than they found them. Um, and it was right around that time that I uh, began realizing that there was an opportunity in the marketplace to to protect the consumer, to, to maybe create an inspection company where I could uh, intervene. So be the first person in there to help them, help consumers navigate this, to protect them from the contractors. Because the contractors were a bunch of thugs. There was no such thing as an industry standard at the time. The EPA had some very scant guidance. So it was really the wild, wild west. And um so I ended up starting this little, uh, it was basically for fr a free service that ultimately people started deciding they wanted to pay me for. Um, and I, uh, right around that time, discovered that there was a guy training mold sniffing dogs down in Florida, <laughs> um, which is a which is a fun little twist. And uh, went down to Florida and, and uh, met Oreo, uh, who I did not expect to come back with a mold sniffing dog, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I hop on a plane, come back with a $14,300 dog that had been two times on doggy death row and, and especially oh. trained for detection and um wow. and and that that opened up a whole floodgate of uh, the the press caught wind of it um channel 6 action news um heard about it and they they uh they came out to debunk me and then they hid mold in the house and instead of debunking me they uh we we found it in like 3 minutes wow. and uh, so we got this glowing endorsement I hadn't even started a company yet and so all of a sudden people are are chasing me down uh calling my personal phone uh, the whole thing just uh, it just mushroomed, no pun intended. Uh -huh. uh, and so I ended up going from not knowing anything really about the industry to this sort of immersion where it was like trial by fire, where I suddenly had to really learn about these buildings and inter learn how to interpret this adorable four-legged friend's very subtle cues. And 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 so really, I'm the accidental expert. You know, uh, I, I became interested and passionate about it. And suddenly I, I it was like a slippery slope and, uh, and boy, am I grateful, you know, what a wow. ride it's been. Wow. I mean, Oreo, we're going to get a picture of Oreo up here in a second. <laughs> yeah. She's the um, that, that's so cool. I mean, look, you, you were, you started that business in New Jersey, Florida, just anywhere. I just want, we're going to do the mold 101 here because I think you and I both believe it's so important. I got diagnosed with mold and funny enough, Lyme at the same time. I find mm. it is a very common co-infection and we don't know what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Perhaps the immune system is so burdened with mold that the Lyme, you know, bacteria or virus, it's changed over history, um, whatever it is that they're diagnosing these days that's Lyme, you know, is able to flourish. So I, I really think that's another, that's, that's going to be our second, you know, podcast about this because the mold Lyme co-infection is very interesting to me. Um, just to wrap up my personal story, I decided because I wasn't having acute neurological Lyme symptoms, <clears throat> but I had been exposed to mold my whole life growing up in Long Beach by the beach. Um, I, you know, there's mold in the water. Apparently there's anytime there's, you know, by the beach, there's damp air. We had a basement, you know, so where dampness can reside, mold probably flourishes. So think of that. If you guys are having mystery illness and you're living in a place where there's a lot of humidity in the summer or a lot of rain, um, that doesn't get the chance to dry out, whatever that is, you know, if, if that resonates something to look into, but anyways, I decided to just treat the mold, um, which my integrative doctor did through 
um, and keep an eye on the Lyme. So we did it through IVs of high doses of vitamin C, vitamins, you know, Myers cocktail, and then um, a push of glutathione at the end. And then after a couple months of that, um, we introduced some binders uh, along with the IVs to like pull pull the mold out of my system. And sure enough, you know, I tested like six months later or something and, and not only had like three types of mold, mycotoxin was not showing up anymore. A new one was. So we kind of continued the IVs, but the Lyme was no longer showing up. I was no longer testing positive for the Lyme. Wow. So that was interesting, right? Yeah. Anywho, um, all of that to say it is the work that you're doing. Thank God, you know, for Oreo and, and you and, and everything you've learned and are going to share here today, because it's true. We don't, we're not equipped yet to understand that our environment is this like external lung we're breathing in and there's toxins in our furniture. And then of course there's mold in our, in our structures. And I love this metaphor of, you know, kind of the macro micro of our external um, structures as being part of our living environment and our, our, you know, biome really. So uh, go into that a little bit and these parallels that you discovered and give us that imagery. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, more and more, I, I I think about the building sort of as an organism, which is uh, maybe a little bit of a stretch. So you have to play with this with me for a little bit. Um, so you look at a building as a system of systems, the life supporting systems, right? So the buildings uh, have a an HVAC system, which you could argue is sort of like the lungs or the respiratory. Uh, the the circulatory system is the plumbing, and the electrical system is the nervous system. And you could look at the the siding, the actual actual the that as as dermis, right? As skin. If you look at the layers of skin, it looks remarkably like the cross section of of a of a light frame construction building, uh, where you've got a couple of layers of skin, and then you've got the fat, right, as the insulation. Um, and uh, and and so there's, but there's a there's a missing element, which which people um, pointed out to me once, and it was kind of funny because, uh, you know, they said, well, where's the immune system? And I said, well, hmm, that's you. You're the immune system. See, you're the building's immune system. See, the building uh, has a birth date, and it also potentially has a death date, and its longevity is largely driven by how well it's cared for. And so it's your job to do that. And so when buildings get sick, buildings, first, they develop some aches and pains, and so usually that manifests as a moisture problem, right? So a building's primary purpose is to shed wind and water. And when it fails, it fails first to shed wind and water. So the first thing that happens is water gets in and water, man, you know, this is one of the key points, key takeaways is that a a mold problem occurs very quickly. It only takes 24 to 48 hours for mold to start to grow when something gets wet and stays wet. So it's very, very quick. At, At day three, according to the industry standard, anything that's gotten wet, that's porous and absorptive, that hasn't gotten moldy yet, should still be treated as if it's moldy, should be discarded. Um, and so, so you only have two or three days to move on things. And we'll, I want to dig into that a little bit more um, for for a second, and then we'll go back to the building. You know, when it's when you, something gets wet and stays wet for for a couple of days, within that first two days, that's free or cheap to fix. You know, insurance will almost always cover that, almost up to the replacement cost of the building. Water damage is almost always covered. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and you can even do it yourself as unless there's a pre-existing mold problem. You wouldn't want to rip out stuff that's got mold on it already. Cause that would create a really serious problem. And, um, but assuming that there's no pre-existing mold and you've got water damage, you can rip that out and, and throw that stuff away. That's something you, the weekend warriors can do. But as soon as you hit that three day mark, then it becomes a mold remediation project. Now insurance doesn't pay for it. 
And the cost just went up tenfold, at least. Now you've also got a completely disruptive experience in your home where oftentimes people have to relocate. And a perfect mold remediation project from beginning to end, if everything goes perfectly, is a month because you've got an inspection, you've got a report, you've got laboratory tests, and then you got to find the contractors, you got to do the work, and then you got more testing at the end. The whole thing is very disruptive, and that's if everything goes perfectly. And meanwhile, if you had just taken action on that first in that first twenty-four to forty-hour window, that would have been free or cheap, and you'd be back, and you'd be everything would be fine. You'd just be you'd be repainting and spackling and putting everything back together again. So so it's very important that people move quickly on these things. Um, so when the building develops these aches and pains and that water gets in, uh, the first thing that manifests, of course, is a mold problem. And the and when mold grows, it produces essentially three things. This is a hypersimplification, but it produces spores, which are the airborne sort of seeds, if you will. Uh, it also produces uh, toxins, which are known as mycotoxins, and they get the, they get a, a a bad rap as being the the, the major the cause of the majority of mold related illness, and we'll, we can talk about that more too. The third thing that mold produces uh, is also this microbial gas, or, or what they call MVOCs. We know that as the musty smell. Um, this has long been disregarded as just an aesthetic nuisance. You know, it's the musty smell. It's grandma's basement, right? This just, eh. but actually, recent research has has clearly laid out that the, the musty smell is neurotoxic. Um, in animal studies, it has shown um, that. Uh, that it, it produces with fruit flies in particular, they stop producing dopamine, uh, they stop reproducing, they fly down instead of to the light, they develop locomotor dysfunction, uh, mitochondrial damage, um, and uh, ultimately premature death. And so, uh, and by the way, that dovetails right in, this is fairly recent research, uh, Brown University did a study in 2008 and concluded that there was a direct correlation between mold and dampness indoors and depression. Um, and they were not, not sure whether it was the mold causing the depression or people having mold that wasn't that they weren't able to fix being disempowering, but clearly from the animal studies that the near the the neurotoxic uh, component to this. Oh, by the way, the 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 fruit flies also developed something that was characterized as Parkinsonian like symptoms. Um, and so so the musty smell is is in my experience after doing this for twenty years, uh, the, the cause of most mold related illness mold in a wall will that those musty smells will permeate through whereas the mycotoxins don't uh, and so there's a common misnomer that all mold related illness is mycotoxin based it is it, there there is a lot of that uh, and a lot of that's actually from food by the way um, not just from it, much, much of the mycotoxin illness, uh, that, that people are treated for is actually coming from their pantry or from the restaurants where they eat, where low food costs drive, um, uh, procurement of grains that have been improperly stored. Um, the UN did a study and they, they originally thought it was 25% of foodstuffs that are contaminated. And a group of food scientists came in, uh, and debunked that and actually found it's more like 60 to 80%. So you're talking about dried fruits, yeah. nuts. Um, grains, uh, uh, anything where you've got tom tomato sauce, applesauce, these things that are, that are basically the, the the throwaways, they turn those into sauces, right? Okay. So a lot of these things that are in our normal food supply accumulate in the body. And so mycotoxins are not just airborne. They're also in our food. And so- Coffee, to, peanut butter, coffee, those are the Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all those things. So co coffee's a big wine uh, because of course the grapes are, the beautiful ones are, 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 are sold separately. The, uh, the other ones just go into the bin, right? Wow. Um, so, so you, really, I mean, it's, it, we, we are, we are, but by the way, we're on a fungal planet, you know, I mean, 30% of the earth's biomass is fungi. Um, 
And so, you know, we're not getting away from this stuff. We have to learn how to cooperate with it. Right. Um, and uh, just like too much of anything is, you know, not processable or, or, you know, discardable by our body. So that's right. And just like our buildings, right. It's, it's nearly impossible if you live in a humid or coastal climate to be mold free completely in your building. But if you have healthy ventilation and healthy immune practices as the human, um, right. you can, you can maintain, you know, stay in balance and harmony with the, you know, ecosystem. That's the key is right. It's, it's having equilibrium so that your body's not overloaded because what we see with mold related illness or illness in general, but mold related illness is really tricky because people tend to, there's, there's basically allergic pathways. Uh, and that's the most common thing that people have upper respiratory itchy eyes, that kind of thing. Uh, and then there's also the toxic uh, pathways, right? Where people are really overwhelmed. Uh, their, their, their systems can shut down. They can have all sorts of, um, toxin induced, um, toxin-induced illness. Uh, and then inflammation. And inflammation is probably the the number one thing that people complain about because there it, it manifests in so many different ways. So, so mold does this thing where it brings out the latent symptom profile. So if you've got an issue like an autoimmune disease and then you're chronically exposed to mold, what generally happens is that's what shows up. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, uh, and generally speaking, when you can rectify that, provided that you haven't had really long-term chronic exposure, that will generally settle down too. Um, so, so mold is the great aggravator um, and, it, and, it, and it mimics other things and it, and it shows up in different ways and it shows up with, 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 in different ways for different people across the board. It's fascinating, really. Um, five people can live in a house and all have different symptom profiles. One person's complaining. The other four think that that's just their natural baseline. Then the mold gets corrected. The person who is really upset, really, really sick gets better. And the other people suddenly start going, wow, I'm sleeping better now. I'm not so emotionally dysregulated. Uh, you know, uh, it, suddenly they notice they don't have the hives anymore and they're digesting better. Um, and so it affected them all, but only one person actually really pinned the tail on the donkey. You know. And is it enough to just relocate? Because for instance, my girlfriend is living in a condo in Tennessee and she has the musty smell. And it was after I spoke to you and I was like, oh my God, it's the musty smell. You must leave. And then she got the building manager to test for mold. They didn't find any. Someone in LA just moved out of a place because they smelt the musty smell and their neighbor was having all sorts of health issues. And so we tested for mold. They didn't find any. And so I'm a little concerned. I kind of want us to be our own advocates here, even when the mold companies are not finding and you, you know, you and Oreo can't be everywhere. Um, so, you know, kind of what's like, is, is relocating into a healthier environment enough, or do you have to treat your body to, to, I mean, obviously there's a, a range here, but for you, it seemed like it was enough, or did you ever have to go and, and do some cleansing? I was fortunate enough to have moved out and did not move into a, a moldy environment. Uh, I moved out into a place where, um, and I, I had a lot of other gut issues too. So I, I suddenly, because it was mold and then it was, and then it was, uh, then it was lime. Um, and so I, I, it took me a while to unpack it all. And I, it wasn't until I was really um, 18 or 19 years old that I suddenly realized that the diet was the key for me. Uh, so I, I adopted a no sugar, no grains diet uh, at that time when I was an early, a young stockbroker actually, and, um, and noticed my health just transformed. I went from, I used to, if I ate a bagel, I would have an out-of-body experience. I mean, literally on the train, I would be disconnected. I, I, you know, it was, it was unbelievable. 
and I was fermenting in my gut. Um, and so that wasn't from the mold, that was from the, from the antibiotics, uh, from, right? But over time, what's happened is, uh, because of the fact that I, I have gone on a, on, a, on a, you know, I've been on a, on a health mission my whole life, essentially, uh, I think what's happened is I've just taken great care of myself and I've slowly detoxed the natural way. I would not recommend anyone take take their time on it. Um, you know, it's certainly not something you want to meander about. I, there was no knowledge or awareness around about about this back then. Um, so the first thing you want to do is you want to fix the underlying cause and fix the environment if you can. Um, and you want to do things like use air purifiers, HEPA filtered air cleaners, but also ones that have carbon in them because that will remove the musty smell. But if you've got a musty smell, you've got a moisture problem. Mo musty smell is only produced by actively growing mold. Um, and if in fact you do, and, and but people always ask, what's the best test? And we sell a test kit, right? Uh, but but the best test is you. Um, you 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 have these precision instruments known as your senses, and and oftentimes even this visceral thing, this gut, this this the the gut brain, it will will give you the signals that you need to know that the place isn't right. And you have to be you have to be willing to trust your intuition. You have to get into step into that. Uh, we're taught not to trust ourselves. We're taught to trust pharmaceutical companies and doctors and all these parties that, that have a financial interest. But the reality is, is that it's upon you to take take to, to take your own awareness and cultivate that. Um, and and it's also especially important if you've got children. Um, but but the reality is, is that you can you can do only so much to protect yourself if you're in a building that's got a moisture problem or a mold problem. Uh, relocating is 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 usually a very good idea if you can't if you especially if you're renting. Uh, and by the way, there's really powerful laws in in places like California, uh, for better or for worse. But the, there's an implied warranty of habitability. A musty smell is enough to break a lease. Um, so if people know that, yeah. uh, and unfortunately that's right. buried, people don't usually know that. Um, so so uh, it's it it is sometimes enough to move. It is not sometimes sometimes for some people that have a, a genetic predisposition to um, to an inability to detoxify. From, uh, in general, but also specifically for biotoxins, which runs in, which is what causes a lot of problems with Lyme and mold. That's why a lot of us have a problem with that. Uh, both of those sets of biotoxins. Um, and then those people usually need a little help. They need a little bit of a push. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, but I would, I would always advocate that before, uh, before pursuing any of the detoxification processes is to uh, remove yourself from the environment or, or correct the underlying conditions, get yourself some good air purification and, and HEPA filtered vacuum cleaners and things like that, get your house in order, so to speak. Uh, and then, and then look at your pantry uh, and, and seriously consider a no sugar, no grains diet. Because again, if you're, if you're concerned about mold related illness and mycotoxin related illness, you, you cannot ignore food. Um, and food is your medicine with this in general. I mean, across the board. Uh, and so, so you, you can't be expected to, to fight a, a valiant battle. Um, if you're, if you're feeding your troops, um, you know, uh, low quality food. Right. And so your troops inside need, need to be sustained. Um, and so that's, that's always my advice. However, certain people do need a push. Yeah. Like I did. So, and you did. So, I mean, you did it yours over time due to just learning over time. I had a test by a doctor that showed I had mycotoxins and he had a solution on how to treat. So, you know, functional medicine doctors, integrative medicine doctors know how to test for this stuff, naturopaths. Um, I was exposed, I was probably exposed my whole life, but I was specifically exposed to black mold and, and you can go into the details of black mold. I assume it was black mold. It was black and it was coming through the door of, you know, the walls of my apartment. But I, in college, me and my friend um, who I grew up with, we rented this 
damp. I mean, it was so dark and damp. It is like repulsive that I'm like thinking back on it now, but we were on a budget, you know, which leads us to another problem, right? A lot of these issues, you know, are, you know, for lower economic housing is just probably riddled with mold. So that's something that we need to tackle too, as far as, you know, changing health in in poverty impoverished communities you know that's Absolutely. a big part of it is is the mold remediation and, and and just healthier buildings we need to we need to provide healthier buildings for those communities um but so i was exposed when i was like i'm gonna say 21 20 21 and so we we moved in a couple months go by and i'm noticing there's like a chalkiness to my lungs like it's like it, you know it's like breathing in spider webs or something and that's, and it wasn't really must. It was just like, I, I, it was just felt like there was chalk in my lungs. And so then it, I was then looking around, like, why does it feel so weird to breathe in my apartment? And then I saw the mold coming through my closet. I mean, it was just awful. Um, so we moved out right away, but then you just think like, okay, without the environment, it's just going to clear itself up. And then, you know, eight years later, nine years later, they're testing me and it's still in my system. Right. So it's just something to be aware of. And like you said, um, interestingly enough, my roommate tested later for MS. Like, mm. like, and so, and he's he's fine. And it's it's one of those, you know, mild versions or whatever, but it was just, it was like lesions on his brain. Whatever the, whatever it, the symptomology was, he got tested because he had symptoms. And I'm sure that this was because of black mold exposure. So so many of these autoimmune or mystery illnesses, you have to look into and rule out mold and mycotoxin exposure um, and at least treat it at the very least if your diet hasn't been great or your environments you know, have been in those kind of very obviously probable moldy um, climates like humid or coastal or you could probably name others. But um, so all of that to say, you mentioned your mother. Is this a good time to talk about mold and mental health? We're talking a lot about physical health. Yeah. Can we talk about mold and mental health? Yeah. So actually, I would like to I will unpack a couple of the things you said and then, and, th and then dig into that because you talked about um, black mold specifically, and I think that that's a really important point to 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 uh, sit on for a minute. So uh, black mold or the, the or stachybotrys, which is the the no, most notorious one, is a very potent toxin producing mold. It's a late stage colonizer. In other words, that only it only grows after a fairly long period of chronic dampness. So we talked about the initial leak in the building being uh, being a, a concern. Um, when that persists for two, three weeks or longer, you end up with different kinds of molds that colonize. And so it, going back to the building of the body. That first that first leak is like it generates that musty smell, which is kind of like a pain signal from the building saying, hey, pay attention. And if you ignore that pain signal, then it continues to perpetuate just like with your body. If you ignore a pain signal, chronic infl acute inflammation is one thing. Chronic inflammation is its own disease. And so when a building experiences that first inflammation or if that first you know, aches and ache and pain. Uh, when that persists, it becomes its own disease. And I would argue that black mold in a building is like cancer to a building. It's it's where you start to see rot and deterioration. Right? It's a real threat to the to the longevity of the building. And so that's those toxins are basically trying to force you out of the building. Mold toxins are chemical weapons used at a microscopic level to kill other microbes. 
We are very genetically close to fungi, by the way. So we're affected by that, right? Um, so antibiotics work well with us because it kills the bacteria, but not us. Antifungal medications don't work so well with us because it also harms human tissue. Mm. So we we happen to be, you know, we're on, usually on the winning side of this, uh, but sometimes we're not. And, and that's when we get knocked down. Um, so, so I think it's very important that when you see that kind of uh, manifestation, when you see any evidence of significant, especially if it's black in color, although not all black molds are toxic and not all toxic molds are black, um, it, any, any sort of significant moisture problem that's persisted is a, is a real concern. Um, and it needs to be dealt with promptly. Um, so, you know, when I look back at, um, at my mother's uh, situation, my mother was also an alcoholic. Um, and, and the, but the, but the question is, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you wonder whether or not I, I often, I used to wonder, and now it's pretty clear to me that she was, uh, she was depressed chemically. The chemical imbalance was more in her building than in her brain. Uh, and then it causes this imbalance, which I think she self-medicated against. Um, and I think it was ultimately, I think it accelerated her demise in a, in a very, uh, in a, in a very rapid fashion. And, uh, and this is not an, this is not an unusual story because, you know, my, my parents didn't have any money. Um, and when you look at what's going on, you know, the, you brought up the, the poverty cycle, you know, people who uh, live in moldy buildings generally, um, have a hard time maintaining employment. They can't, their kids, they, they can't learn, their kids can't learn. Uh, if you can't learn, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't ascend in our society. Uh, and so, uh, and of course, if you're living in uh, public housing uh, or or substandard housing, uh, that you know, landlords' business models are to invest as little in the property as possible and to charge as much as they can. And so, that's pitted directly against the occupants. And so, uh, so we have a, a society that's unfortunately a segment of our society where healthy indoor air is cost prohibitive. That to me is crazy. Right. So, I mean, of the four basic human needs, air, water, food and shelter, unfortunately, most of those things are cost prohibitive, basic human needs. Mm. Right. That doesn't sit well with me. Uh, and that's why I'm in this business is to help create solutions for people of, of uh, across the entire spectrum. Um, because, again, this is this is not something that should be a, a, a financial issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, basic human needs and rights, right? The basic human need. So is the there basic- like a salt? I mean, you, you mentioned that home insurance doesn't cover mold remediation. I mean, this should be, there should be some sort of kind of shift in that area as well, right? Yeah, it's it's tricky, um, and there's there's good reason for it because there was a there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, ridiculous uh, a lot of fraud back in the uh, late nineties. When uh, when insurance was paying for mold, mm-hmm. um, and it generated uh, well, it was it was so bad that all the insurance companies said, "Nope, not anymore." You know, not mine. Uh, but you know what it does do is it pushes people into having to be more proactive. The biggest problem is the people who are renting have no power mm-hmm. because they're often scared to tell their landlord that they've got a mold problem at the risk of them being kicked out. They think that, but it's actually the opposite. If you've got a mold problem in almost any major city, you actually are in the pole position. You've got the implied warranty of habitability on your favor. Anyone who's got this issue, go look it up. 
Um, this is this is this is a secret weapon uh, that most even tenant even landlord tenant lawyers don't even know about this. Um, but it gives you the ability to uh, notify your landlord, let them know what they need to do. If they don't, according to the industry standard, and if they don't do it within a certain period of time, you can do something called a constructive eviction, where you actually can kick yourself out of your apartment, break your lease without having any uh, anything showing up on your credit, uh, and without having to pay any penalties. And um, say say what this is again, so people can look it up. Yep, yeah, it's called the implied warranty of habitability. In fact, I wrote an article about this at gotmold.com, which I will, uh, which we can put in the show notes. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a powerful tool for people that are that are going through this uh, because the biggest impact the biggest obstacle to people getting uh, fixing a mold problem is fear. Um, in cases where they're landlords, uh, where, where they're a tenant rather, uh, the fear is obviously them you know having to move. You know they're already on a they're already already spread thin right or and you know this is just a disruptive thing. Um, so the big fear is that they'll be kicked out uh, when they have no resources. But even people who do have resources are scared to find out whether they have a mold problem because then what, right? Then how much is it going to be? Then oh, yes. what's gonna, you know all the then what's. So uh, we just had this crazy. I don't know how long it was. Maybe two and a half months of rain in California, which is beautiful, filling the reservoirs, but also flooding farmland and doing all sorts of destructive things as well because it's too much, too fast. Um, and so we were sitting. It was actually New Year's Eve, I think, and we had a major flood in our, in our house leak through the ceiling of my daughter's playroom and then through the door jam. And I know what's going on. And I'm like, guys, we need to address this like right now. And then, um, and, and through the balcony, like it was coming through the balcony of the bathroom upstairs. And so what is the best way? What's like, to come out, like what, what, what do you do to test for mold? Because it's, it's a big ceiling area. You could see like the wet wall next to the fireplace. I, my instinct was to turn on the fireplace to heat and dry up the air. But then some mold expert was that someone knew was like, no, the heat's going to actually make the mold grow faster. And I was like, so we haven't addressed it. It's just there. It's not leaking anymore. And, and so for most people, including, you know, someone that I was like, we got to check into this it's just like out of sight, out of mind. Right. And, you know, we live in a well-built home, um, but it's, it's continued to rain. It hasn't leaked. So I'm just wondering, like, do you cut a hole in the ceiling and like test or how do you check what's so just to kind of diffuse fear for people, let's see what it entails. So we can just like, okay, now we can handle it the day after it happens, you know? Well, there's good news and bad news. Um, the, the, I'll start with the bad news. Um, the bad news is that it doesn't. Act, there's no uh, easy or affordable way to assess mold in a wall cavity. Um, the 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 best way to do that is, of course, and this is you know just based upon my experience with a mold detection dog, if you have one. And by the way, they're they're not exactly abundant. Um, and then if you if you actually go through the process of of testing, if you hire a professional, and that's the only real way to test for mold in a wall cavity, is they will come over, they will drill a hole in a wall, they'll put a tube in the wall, and then they'll run the air through an air sampling cassette, um, much like we test for ambient air, uh, and they'll determine whether or not there's uh, unusual types or or quantities in the wall. Um, the problem with that is that oftentimes they get overloaded with sheetrock dust. 
uh, and you can sometimes drill into a cavity where there's no mold here, but then six inches over there is. Uh, so there, it is very in, inaccurate uh, in, in many cases. That's why the dogs are so helpful. But with mold in a ceiling or with water damage in a ceiling, I did have a couple of circumstances where Oreo brought me into a room and did a circle and then sat and pointed to the ceiling. <laughs> really? But, that, but she was specifically, my tra her trainer told us that that's not what they do, but then she learned how to do that. So, uh, it was, it was, uh, an off label use, let's say, okay. um, but, uh, but no, it's, it's unfortunate that there is not an easy or affordable way to do, um, mold assessments inside wall cavities. And, and so it's in that case, you really want to find a professional if you can, if you can afford it. And, you know, an average inspection is going to cost you $1,500 or more. Um, and that includes some lab analysis. So it's out of the realm for, for so many people, which is, you know, which is the challenge, which is why we created our test kit. Um, uh, but even that doesn't deal with the fact that mold can be growing in a wall. Um, there's kind of two, there are two kinds of mold problems, really. There's mold in a wall and mold on a wall. Uh, again, hypersimplification, but mold that's on a wall spores can break free and cause high spore counts. Uh, and th that can be detected using typical uh, testing methods, including the ones that, that we offer. Uh, mold in a wall uh, requires specialized, uh, experienced inspection methods. And so that's when you start getting into the, into the, the, uh, the, the cost prohibitive um, zone. Um, but it, this is what, when I, when I went back to the 24 to 40 hours piece, if you've got a significant amount of water damage, the best thing to do is actually to rip it out, um, day one. And nobody wants to hear that either. Mm -mm. So in other words, there's no good news. Um, the, the, the only good news is that there is a way if you get to it within 24 to 48 hours. Um, but, but the people are so reluctant. And by the way, I am guilty of same. I live in Minnesota. We had four feet of snow in the last, you know, 90 days or, or so. And, uh, as it began to thaw, uh, water came down and, and went up under my siding and down into, uh, my kitchen ceiling. And so we had, I, I was in there and I said, where's this water on the counter? Somebody must've spilled something, looked up, boom, you know, and it was very clearly water coming through the ceiling. And, uh, and so did I, did I rip up, go up there and rip it out? No, you know? what am I talking about on the podcast? You know, so, so it, it, I know uh, very well that this is the, the right thing to do, but also what we, what we also know in the industry is that generally speaking, a one-time event, uh, especially if it's limited in scope, um, generally can be left to, to if it's li very limited uh, under 10 square feet is the rule of thumb, according to the EPA uh, for, uh, for professional mold remediation. I would say that if you've got a, a one or two square feet of water damage, um, that's just a one-time event, you can usually leave that be. Okay. I mean, if it's just, if it's just a one-time event, if, it, if it, if it persists beyond that, it needs to be dealt with. Okay. Um, it needs to be dealt with, uh, very, very quickly because then it will start. It's a G it's a, it's a, one of these things which grows geometrically, mm -hmm. right? So one spore becomes a thousand, a thousand becomes a million, a million becomes a billion. Right. And so it's just, and it's, and we're talking about hours and days, not weeks and months. Wow. Right. So, so it's, if it's a one-time event and it's limited in scope, you can sometimes go, okay, you know, I'll it'll dry. Keep an, eye on, keep an eye on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, it, but beyond that, you have to, you have to take action. Okay. All right. Well, and do it quickly. And if you do it quickly, the insurance will pay for it. And if you don't do it quickly, the insurance won't. Okay. Got it.
No, it's it's tough. It's tough. It's a bitter pill to swallow. There's there's this is a this is a a very very challenging subject for for anyone to navigate, um, and uh, and and especially if you go online. I mean, ninety nine percent of what you read out there is misinformation. It's all fear based, um, and and so you know this might be a good segue into talking about remediation, what it is and what it isn't. Okay. Um, most of the time when people talk about remediation, what they're talking about is treatment. Uh, and, and treatment does not exist. Treatment, treatment means kicking the can down the road. Um, what, what, what remediation is, is fixing the water. The root word of remediation is remedy, which means to fix the underlying cause, right? Mm -hmm. Root cause. Right. And so what's the root cause of mold? And this is a probably, this is a super important takeaway too. Mold is not a, a mold is not the problem. Mold is a symptom. Mm. The problem is moisture, right? So a, a healthy building is clean and dry. Uh, and so as soon as you introduce moisture of any significance, mold can grow very quickly, especially modern construction. I mean, the reason we have a problem with mold in our society, uh, and this is not a, this is a global problem, but it's not nearly as bad elsewhere as it is here. It's because we build buildings out of paper mache, right? We literally build buildings, self-composting buildings, just to add water. Sheetrock is a perfect growth medium for mold. Um, and, you know, we, 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 we had this huge um, 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 boom, the baby boomers, where we needed to build all this fast and cheap housing. And so we had all this fast and cheap building materials that, that were created to, to meet that need. Mm. And then in the 70s, we had the oil crisis and we had to close them up tight. So now water gets in the walls and it gets into the fluffy insulation. It stays there and it grows against the sheetrock and the stuff that builds off of that, the musty smell, not to mention the VOCs and chemicals from all the building materials that that, uh, that we, we you know, the chemical companies make our building materials. So, you know, you know what's in the building materials. And, and then all those things accumulate in our, in our environment. And we wonder why we're so sick. You know, we wonder why, you know, the statistics on this, by the way, are fascinating. And I'll get into the remediation again in a second, but, but from 1960 until now, uh, uh, respiratory illness in uh, the United States is up 165% and death associated with respiratory illness is up 30% in that same period. Yet smoking is down 80%. And you just have to ask yourself, why is that? Right. If, if the number one cause of respiratory illness is, has been largely eradicated, then where's that coming from? And it's very clear to me that it's from the VOCs. It's from from the mold mold and VOCs. We live in chemical boxes that get moldy very quickly when they get wet. Thanks. And so and so so it's very important uh, that people take action on these things. But it's also important that you use HEPA filtered uh, air cleaners with carbon because it will remove those things. It's also important that you open your windows. You know, this is something that we don't do in our society anymore. We turn our AC off, turn our heat on, turn our heat off, turn our AC on, um, and we are so disconnected. You know, from 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 our from our from our from our our true heritage, the word human comes from humus, which is soil, um, and we're so far away from that. You know, um, yeah. so 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 remediation, root word remedy, fix the water problem, and then clean up the mold. Um, and so that means removing the building materials that are supporting the fungal growth, uh, and then it means a fine cleaning of all the affected areas. Uh, and so that usually requires some testing to be able to figure out where that fine cleaning is necessary. Uh, but mold remediation is a very, a very methodical process when done according to the industry standard. Most remediation contractors prefer to use chemicals um, because they think that that's going to be more effective and it's also faster and cheaper and they're getting paid by the project. Not, yeah, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And what they often do is leave behind chemical, a chemical burden in the home that can't be remedied. You can't get the chemicals back out yeah. and leaving behind a high fungal load because if you don't remove the mold, uh, you can't just kill it. 
Uh, there's no killing mold is actually a farce. If you kill mold, you leave behind dead mold. Um, and oftentimes these killers, mold killers are water-based. And so they, oh, they, and so you leave behind <laughs> dampness. Uh, and so oftentimes it, it actually, um, and it also does something called competitive release, which is where you kill off the weak molds and the strong ones are there to survive. And they're the, they eat all the, the dead ones and you end up with this proliferation, which is why we have similar situations in hospitals, MRSA, you know, these, these, uh, these antibiotic resistant yeah. organisms, same kind of thing. Cause they're, they're sanitizing those hospitals, knocking down all of that stuff, killing it all. And the only stuff that survives is yeah. the nastiest yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. You got so, so the same thing happens here, you know, by the way, it's important to note that, that, the the data on this is really clear. You want a lot of, you want spores in your house. You want spores in your air. Um, yeah, this is, this is a, we, by the way, you, yeah. Ready for this one. So check this out. This is, these are some fun statistics. So, uh, kingdom fungi produces 50 megatons of spores every year. So that's macro and micro fungi, which means that's mushrooms and molds and yeasts and things like that. So, so 50 megatons is the equivalent to 500,000 blue whales. Okay. Wow. That's every year. Uh, the single largest uh, producer of biological particulate is kingdom fungi. And, 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 and so literally anywhere you go in this world, if you take a deep breath, you'll be inhaling hundreds, if not thousands of different uh, types of molds. And that's a good thing. In fact, the data on this is very clear that high microbial diversity in your home, by the way, also in your gut, but high microbial diversity in your home, meaning lots of different kinds of microbes mm -hmm. uh, is directly correlated with a lower incidence of asthma, allergies, and autoimmune disease. Mm. And the opposite is also true. A low microbial diversity, which is which is caused by overuse of anti antimicrobials, uh, and and this this need to sterilize things, yeah, yeah. Uh, shows a very high uh, correlation to higher cases of asthma, allergies, and autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. So we need lots of microbes, but we don't need any of them growing in our house. That's the distinction. Right? Got it. So it's yeah, it's good to breathe in some homeopathy and and get a biodiverse, you know. Uh, right. microbiome in and out, and that's why uh, you know, as we both have young children and four year old. I, I mean, and obviously just went through COVID, like this whole hand sanitizer thing. I, I, you know, we didn't touch it. I maybe let her touch it twice because she asked, but I was like, no, no, no let's just do soap and water. Um, and, you know, let that, I mean, she licked a shoe one time and I was like, <laughs> dog poop, like all the nastiest stuff. But at the same time, it's like, you want kids to be in the dirt and do those nasty things to get these little homeopathic samples of the biodiversity, you know, so That's that right. they do, so that their immune system in small doses gets that intel so it can flourish and, and have a much more, um, a strong army, you know, right. diverse, a diverse intel. Yep. So yeah, they're like hormetic stressors, right? So your lungs, if you think about, first of all, we, we breathe 13 to 15 times a minute, which comes out to about 20, thousand breaths a day, right? So you think about every breath as a dose, right? Yeah. Uh, you're it, right. You're, and, and so if you take 20,000 doses of anything, it's going to be cumulative. Indoor air is either healthy or unhealthy. There's no neutral. Healthy indoor air is life-giving. It's, 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 it's detoxifying. It's, it's energizing, right? Oxygen is a fuel. You can burn it, right? It's a, it's truly, it's, it's powerful stuff. 
unhealthy air, it will 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 sap you of your vital forces, right? It is toxifying and it will lead to early death and demise. And so uh, so so the reality is there's no neutral. You either have healthy air or unhealthy air. But you're you're you've got this beautiful open space. I mean, you are naked to the world inside your lungs. And so every time you take a deep breath, if you're providing it with the same thing that you would get in nature, then your body's being trained that this is normal, this is good. We move into these boxes, we sterilize things, we over we overuse our HEPA filter air cleaners and HEPA filter vacuum cleaners. Not to say you shouldn't use them all the time, but you should open your windows. The HEPA filter air cleaners and HEPA filtered vacuum cleaners are actually really don't think about spores. Think about the building materials that we build buildings out of that are laden with chemicals that they are constantly shedding, right? If you think about your hardwood floors, occasionally you have to refinish them. Where did that finish go? Mm-hmm. It's in the dust in your house, which by the way, your kids are crawling around and they're licking their hands. The pets are also licking their hands. This is why pets and, and kids have the highest exposure because they also breathe more rapidly. They have more than 20,000 doses and per pound, they have a much higher degree of exposure. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you'll often see pets as the canary in the coal mine. They also have something called incidental ingestion where they're actually licking their paws and getting these chemicals into their into their system. So it's not the mold that you're protecting yourself from really when it comes to HEPA filtered air cleaners uh, and, and HEPA filtered vacuum cleaners. It's really the chemicals. Yeah. It's really chemicals in your building. Um, but then you want to use those things very religiously to keep your building clean, but then you want to open your windows and get back to this, this, our, our, our nature, which is nature, reconnect with nature. Yeah. Rewild. Yeah. yeah, And, and, and bring that in your, your indoor air. When we do air testing, we do an outside air sample and an inside air sample, right. And and many inside air samples or as many as, 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 as is necessary, but we take an outside air sample because your indoor air should look very similar. Comparing to yeah. And when we see higher quantities or different types, uh, then we know that there's something brewing, right? We don't want to have a completely different ecology in our building, believe it or not. I mean, depending upon where you live, right? If you yeah. live in the Everglades, you know, you might you might want to have a little bit of a different ecology, but it should look very similar because you should not have anything growing in your home, right? Because then it's sporulating. Um, and then the, all the other chemicals that are being used on a competitive basis, you get caught in the crossfire again. Right. So the idea is that we want to get closer to nature, but we don't want to actually be propagating these things in our home, which means to do one thing, control moisture. It's the only thing you can control in this whole thing. You're never going to get away from spores. In fact, they found out there was a weather balloon. Uh, we talked about the 50 megatons and all that. A weather balloon um, that was doing air samples found uh, clouds of spores 13.7 miles above the Earth's surface. Wow. There's no getting away from spores. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. There's no getting away from them. Um, and that's a good thing because that's what we, we need them. Uh, without without kingdom fungi, we'd be in big trouble, right? It's nature's great recycler. Um, but but ultimately the key is to have balance and recognizing that we need to put we need to live in harmony with them. Okay. So I think a good thing to do is like kind of sum up what we can do. So for like for me, I think really what you said is, you know, we've outsourced our expertise and and at times, you know, level two. Yes, hire the expert to do the deeper dive, but trust your senses. Feel how you like feel how you like sit in your living spaces, start to pay attention how you feel when you are in your homes. You know, obviously open your windows more and then when your windows are closed, turn on those HEPA air filters with carbon. Um, and I'll let you summarize the rest, but really, I really, you know, my signaler for that damp, dark apartment was my lungs. I felt like I was breathing chalky lungs. You're talking about the musty smell. And then energetically, like you said, we're taking these 20,000 doses. If we're indoors, windows aren't open, 
and our and we're feeling depressed we're feeling our you know low energy you know obviously there could be other things going on but let that bring you back to awareness and go okay let me check my environment see if i need you know see how i feel in my environment if you, it feels stagnant if it feels like it's hard to breathe if it, if you just get a sense that there's like lots of chemicals or you smell a musty smell like that's when you need to take action you know and and dive deeper so give Absolutely. us kind of a summary of of what you recommend for the average joe who doesn't necessarily want to start tearing into walls but can do things to, um, you know, and then, and then obviously the other thing that I can recommend also is if you're, if, again, if you're dealing with autoimmune or mystery illness or allergies that came on suddenly or asthma, um, I would always, I mean, I think any, anyone with any chronic illness, even something as serious as cancer and Parkinson's should rule out mold, uh, get tested for, and it's a mycotoxin test, right? It's a urine test. Yeah. There's urine tests and there, there are blood tests as well. Um, so yeah, getting tested for those things, can be very useful um, because it wipes out your immune system silently. It's keeping these, these, if mold is in your system and these mycotoxins are in your system, depending on the level, it's, it, it's just, your immune system is working on high alert at all times and it can't do the, you know, the normal thing. It's, it's just overwhelmed. And then that's when cancer can flourish or inflammation or, you know, all these other hosts of, of issues and, and allergies. So Absolutely. go ahead. Yeah. So, so all those things that you said, um, and, uh, you know, tr trust your intuition. Um, I always say, if you see something, smell something or feel something, do something, uh, and do it quickly, because again, you've got two to three days, uh, really before you start getting into the danger zone where you start having to, to deal with, uh, specialists. Um, the other thing you want, want to consider is making investments in, in some hardware and again, you know, proper air cleaners, like you said, that have a HEPA, but also uh, carbon, uh, HEPA filter vacuum cleaner is very powerful. Also, humidity gauges. Uh, this may seem like uh, like a, it's such a simple thing, um, but just to get some humidity gauges, and you want to keep your humidity in your home between forty and sixty percent. That's according to ASHRAE, which is the uh, American Society of Heating, Refrigeration, Air Conditioning Engineers. But there, they the uh, the guidance on that is pretty clear. Uh, above sixty percent, you start to get condensation and and uh, dust mites and things like that. Below forty percent, it starts to get too dry, and then you can actually have you can get sick from your mucous membranes drying out. So you, that's that's the safe zone, and you want to watch that. One of the things I recommend is. Get getting a, a base unit that with wireless sensors and put the base unit in your kitchen where you see it every day and then put the the wireless sensors in places that are out of sight and out of mind, like crawl spaces and basements and attics and, and things like that. Uh, the other thing that's really good is leak sensors. Uh, and this is something that you can get on Amazon. They're cheap. Um, and there are these little devices that you can just put them in the corners of your basement where water sometimes gets in. And they'll either send a, a text message to your phone or or pop open your app and send you. And sometimes they also have audible alerts. Um, I use them in my basement and they, they come in really handy. I mean, when your water tank goes or you know, these, these things, especially when you're away. Because by the way, there's a federal law, I think, that what major water damage only occurs while you're on vacation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, called Murphy. It's called it's, Murphy. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But it, but it really it, it is true. So you want to make sure that you've got you know the basic equipment in place to help um, help manage. You know you've got a symbiotic relationship with your building. You know, and when buildings get sick, the people get sick, uh, and when buildings heal, so too do the people, right? And so so really, I'm also encouraging people to get more familiar with your building. Um, you know, we made a welcome page for 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 your listeners at gotmold.com/heal. Um, and so there we actually post an ebook there, which is uh, called How to Find Mold, but it's got 46 pages of inspection checklists and, and uh, various other 
um, resources, frequently asked questions and things like that. That's um, great. And I highly recommend that anyone who's early in their mold awareness journey go there. Um, it's, you know, it's a free resource. We get a lot of positive feedback about it and it, it gives you, it gives you the ability to take a walk around your house and see things that you would never see. Cause you're too busy worrying about paying the bills and feeding the kids and getting them off to school and stuff. Mm. And if you, and if you do that and get more familiar with the building, the same way you, you're encouraged to get familiar with your body, right? I mean, people do mole checks and things like that, but a lot of times people miss the thing that's on the middle of their back. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so I encourage people to just raise your awareness around this, mm -hmm. um, in general, um, because you know, you're not going to do too well with a building that's sick. Um, and so it's, it's incumbent upon you as the building's immune system to, to take care of that. Right. Uh, and if you take care of your building, it will take care of you. The one thing about mold is that it's overwhelming because it's invisible, you know, but like you said, mold is not the problem. It's a symptom, you know, so there, there is something to be said about you know, I'm, I'm kind of demonizing mold, but mold is not the issue. Mold is not nefarious. Like you said, it's, it's not like out to get us. It's just this natural part of nature. Right. So t tell us about that. That's right. Yeah. No, if, 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 if mold wanted to kill you, you'd be dead. Um, fungi is much smarter than us, quite frankly. Uh, it really is. And, and so, uh, rather it's a, it's a, it's a very repeatable natural phenomenon. People think of it as, as if it's like lightning strikes, like lightning strike is something that happens to them. Um, but it's, it's, it's the very simple, repeatable natural phenomenon of something getting wet and staying wet, uh, for more than a couple of days. Um, and so, you know, it, and it's been such a mystery for so long that even all the way back to, you know, a couple thousand years ago, the first mold remediation protocol is in the Bible. Uh, and, 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 and I'm no Bible banger, but it's Leviticus 14. You can look it up and you'll see it said, if the, if the, if the plague has spread to the walls, uh, then the, the stone plaster and timbers are to be scraped, uh, and the, and, and, uh, and, and to be, uh, thrown out into the unclean place outside the town meaning the garbage dump. Um, and, and if the plague is to return, the priest is to examine it. And if it, and if it's deemed to be the harmful, the harmful kind, then the house is to be knocked down with the stone timbers and plaster thrown into the unclean place outside the town. They, they call it the plague because it showed up as speckles on the, on the, they actually, and in, in some biblical versions, they call it leprosy, um, because it showed up as these speckles on the building and they didn't understand what was happening, but it was, it seemed to spread. It seemed to happen all at one time. Well, of course there was a flood. And so things got wet and they didn't correlate the dampness to this phenomenon that seemed to be all these buildings suddenly got it, right? Yeah. So this has been a mystery that has plagued society for thousands of years. Wow. Now we have microscopes and the science and the research to, to at least not have that, but we still have so much mystery around the subject matter such that the internet gives us the misinformation. We're just as bad as the as the, as the people that were experiencing you know, leprosy on the walls uh, because we go to Google or Facebook for our answers. Um, and, and so, you know, therein lies part of the problem. Most of the information people are getting online is fear-based or it's based on something someone's trying to sell you, a mold treatment product or something like that. Yeah. Um, and the reality is, is that mold is a moisture problem, period, end of story. Yeah. And it's part of nature and it's a great signaler um, and it's it's not the enemy and it's, you know, but it is, it, it, it could be an issue if left on treated and absolutely absolutely in our bodies is, and in our environments it is a um it is a powerful alarm that tells you when something is wrong with your building yeah. um and so again trust your senses be aware of your environment you know take care of your building and it will take care of you
What a great way to end. So eloquent and so helpful. Again, it's one of these things that you're not aware until you're aware. And then it's like, you, it's just everywhere. You know, it's just something to check. So it's, it's this, this has been so enlightening. Um, and thank you for that, the landing page for the listeners. Once again, it is gotmold.com slash heal, where right. Jason and his team have put together just an amazing um, mold resource page for all of you guys to go check out if you have questions. Um, what else? Where else can they find you? But could, are, is Got Mold everywhere? Can we hire like a Got Mold, uh, you know, inspector here? Is there a dog out here that you can? Not right now. No, we 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 due to COVID actually we suspended our inspection services. Um, and so I we've, we've transitioned all of our resources over to uh, our at home test kit, okay. uh, which people can learn more about at gotmold.com. There's also a ten percent discount at the on the welcome page for your listeners. Oh, thank uh, you. I think it's heal ten is your code. Um, but uh, no, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, uh, you can find us on social media. Uh, I've been reluctant to be on social media, but it's it's a, it's a good place for people to to learn more. So we're on Facebook and uh, Instagram at Got Mold, uh, both of those platforms. Uh, people can post questions there. I, I often do ask me anything. Uh, so you know, keep your eyes open if you if you actually really want if you've got a pressing question, uh, I'm more than glad to answer. Also at GotMold.com, the bottom of the homepage, there's a contact form. And uh, I don't answer all of the questions, of course, but I but I see them all. Um, and so I, I encourage people that, that want to get in touch if they've got specific questions or concerns, they can always they can always reach me there too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, this is going to be so helpful for my audience. So, so thanks for coming on and sharing your expertise. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Thank you for listening to The Heal Podcast. Be sure to tune in for more empowering wisdom and inspiring healing stories. Oh, and make sure you hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answer you've been searching for. And if you feel inspired, we would love you to rate and review us so that we have the opportunity to reach more people. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram for some behind the scenes fun and more inspiration at at Heal Documentary and at Kelly Gorris. Thank you so much and be well. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.